Welcome to another Retire Notes podcast. I'm Bruce Manners, the author of Retirement Ready and the founder of RetireNotes.com website. Today I'm in conversation with Peter Black, who's a business and executive coach and also a retirement coach. Thanks for your time, Peter. Uh, my pleasure, Bruce, and look forward to talking about the challenges of this retirement phase of life. Yeah, it's interesting. I've just listed a whole list of job titles, business executive coach, retirement coach. Can you tell us who you are, what you do, and how you arrived at this point? Yeah, sure. I started life as a chartered accountant. I actually had 26 years in what is now known as PwC uh, until I took an amicable redundancy uh, in 2006 Ended up taking what I now describe as my first gap or retirement year. Okay. And then got an opportunity to commence a coaching career from the company that I actually undertook my transition coaching. So now I do predominantly business and executive coaching, but I also have a component of career coaching, which includes retirement coaching. And retirement coaching is essentially a another transition type coaching where transitioning from something, it could be a job, it could be business, it could be something else, into this next phase loosely described as retirement. Yes. Let me just ask you a question. What is PwC? Uh, Coopers. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. You were talking about your story. Keep going. I now work with many individuals who I'm privileged to share in their lives, their objectives and their challenges. I'll be 60 this year, but I'm planning to work for a while, not planning to retire yet. Okay. And I'm at a phase where you know, I've got three young uh, adult daughters, uh, but no grandchildren yet. So in a different phase again. Yeah. I think the grandchildren tend to come naturally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you've worked with mature age workers. What's been your experience? Let's firstly define mature age workers, Bruce. Good. Yes. The Australian government actually says that anyone 45 and above is a mature age worker. Um, the irony is that uh, a number of their programs don't kick in till 50, so they've got a few inconsistencies there, but we'll use 45 as mature age. Yeah, good. I was clearly a mature age worker when I first exited from PwC, my professional career there, and I did a lot of work during the global financial crisis. I was working as a career coach or an outplacement consultant, and working with a lot of people who were sort of late 40s, early 50s, who'd been retrenched from corporate roles. Yes. And it was quite a difficult period for those people, and I became a bit of a specialist in retrenched mature-age workers. I've subsequently done a lot of presentations to the professional bodies like Chartered Accountants ANZ and the Australian Computer Society on what mature age workers need to think about in terms of transitions, whether it's into jobs or business or retirement. Sounds interesting. Yes, yes, very interesting. As you're doing this, what have you discovered? Look, anyone who's thinking about retiring, it's quite an interesting emotional roller coaster for them in many respects. Yeah. The closer they get to what they thought might have been a retirement age, in my experience, very often it's the scarier uh, the closer they get to it. They're dealing with going from the structure and identity that comes with running a business or being in a corporate role to this essentially blank canvas. Yes. They're dealing with probably things like health challenges. They're dealing with adult kids, potential grandchildren, different objectives of, with their life partner. And they need to sort of think about 
what are the social connections and the structure and the income and the time management that come from what they've been doing up to this point? And what I do notice is that most Australians do not have a plan of what they are retiring to. They've got a loose idea or a fairly good idea of what they're retiring from yes. and batted around by financial institutions and the government about their superannuation or the financial aspects, but there's not a lot on the non-financial aspects of actually preparing for retirement or the retirement phase or what is now being described as the third age. It's, we're actually retiring the word retirement. Yes. Well, retirement means to just stop, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Withdraw to privacy and seclusion, as one of the dictionaries okay. uh, said to me about the word retirement. Privacy and seclusion. I mean, some days that would be good, but I'm guessing that's not a good lifestyle. No, no, and it's, and it's not what they think. And I think the challenge is that for a lot of people, retirement is perceived as one long holiday or one long period of leisure. But as I was taught when I actually did a proper retirement coaching accreditation, if leisure becomes the purpose, it's no longer leisure. And leisure is meant to be a break away from what you're doing. So one of the mistakes I see a lot of people make is to say, well, I'm going to retire to that place that I've always enjoyed holidays. Yes. But the reason they probably enjoyed that place was that it was different from where they lived. When, when it now becomes the place that you live and you are potentially there 12 months of the year, not just for two, three or four weeks on a holiday, it's a very different uh, focus. So retirement needs to be redefined. What exactly are we talking about? Yes. And remember that we're talking, you know, with earlier retirements, either voluntary or involuntary, we could be talking about a 20, 30, 40-year period that we're actually talking about which is very different from what it used to be like when our longevity was only, you know, 70, the classic three score and 10. Sure. And we might retire at 65 with our gold watch <laughs> and we're dead by 70. It was only five years we had to worry about, not 25. And you could probably holiday for five years. Absolutely. And probably different expectations in those times. So that brings up the issue where some people won't want to retire. What happens there? The biggest challenge I saw, Bruce, was when people are retrenched or companies taken over or something happens that they don't have control of the transition. Yes. So a lot of people do want to remain working. They enjoy the aspects that work brings, and I referred to earlier the structure, the time management, the purpose, the income, the social connections. Sure. To ensure that they essentially remain marketable, relevant and able to keep working for as long as they would like, Yes, yes. there's a number of things that they need to be doing. First and foremost is looking after their health because it's amazing and the Australian Bureau of Statistics you know, publishes numbers on this that says there are a lot of people that actually retire either due to their own ill health or having to care for the health of significant others. And so the retirement doesn't come when they want it. It's actually forced upon them. Forced upon them, yes. Yeah. So, so I think health is the number one thing that I encourage people, particularly in their 50s, to be actively managing, not assuming that they're going to be bulletproof forever and a day. That sounds so obvious. Do they listen? 
Did they act on it, I guess? No, I, I think the reality is that we very often think that what's happened in the past is going to continue in the future, and it's only when we have a catalyst health event that we sometimes will take action on it. Even when it happens to others around us, we, we tend to be a little uh, dismissive. Oh, it won't happen to us. I'm pretty good without yeah. actually knowing the numbers, etc. So that, that health side is absolutely paramount, um, both if you want to keep working, but also just for a good life. Yeah. The other aspect that comes from that health, uh, Bruce, is that by having a good degree of health, both physical and mental, we probably present to others as far more energetic and therefore we are seen as having a young mindset rather than an old mindset. And I think that helps our potential marketability in, in the, the workforce. But then health is just one aspect. You know, the other aspects that I see that employers are really looking for are particularly technology skills and other skills that are required just to operate in a workforce today things like remote working or virtual working, which also ties into the technology. One thing that older workers do, I think, have is probably enhanced relationship building skills yes. as well as their general life experience as well as work experience. I think embracing self-directed learning, not requiring the employer necessarily to provide the learning is another aspect that people should consider, and that is a big change to what many of us in our sort of age bracket sure, used sure. to where it was, you know, very much spoon-fed to us, we now need to go and make our own dinner in terms of learning as such. Yeah. Do you find people doing this? Older ages, actually, not so much at a lot of ages, but the people who really succeed are the ones that are investing in their own learning. And when I say investing in their own learning, I'm not necessarily talking about doing, you know, three-year university courses I'm talking about a lot of the opportunities that are available through things like book reading, article reading, videos on YouTube or TED Talks or the big um, change has been podcasts. So podcasts are a fantastic way of learning. Or even getting into what we call the MOOCs, M-O-O-C-S, the Massive Open Online Courses. Uh, We can... We can do an eight-week course in digital marketing or artificial intelligence or one of the coding languages through a worldwide university. So there's lots and lots of other learning opportunities that are available for people if they wish to keep working. The other aspects that I do see as important are understanding and working with the different generations. Yes. We're getting to a point where we could have at least three, if not four or five different generations in the workforce. And that's going to make it interesting. That is going to make it very interesting. And even the Gen Zs, and we're talking about the people who were probably born sort of about 1998 onwards who are now entering the workforce, are different again, from the much maligned Gen Y or Millennials. Yes, yes. So just understanding the differences of the generations and how we can all work together. And then probably the last aspect is just changing societal views. You know, we've seen changes in things like same-sex marriage and diversity in the workforce and climate change and understanding that society is changing as is business. Yeah, 
Then you have the uh, future of work with things like artificial intelligence, robotics, machine learning, the importance of STEM skills, you know, the science, technology, engineering and math skills. Mm. How do mature age workers deal with this? Well, I think they're not going away. So it is embracing them. Yes. It is looking for the opportunities that they provide. Once again, go back to some of those learning channels, you know, YouTube and Google and MOOC courses to be able to understand them, as well as doing formal courses. But at the end of the day, we still are dealing with human beings. So remember that relationship and customer service skills are going to still be important, both internal and external to organisations. Yes. That cannot be relied on exclusively. So it's embracing change as the answer because they're not going away. We're not going back to 1975. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) It it wasn't as good as it sounds. (laughs) So so what other work options are there for uh, age workers? Oh, look, there's a number of things that people can do. I think the most important thing is to be proactive, do things like volunteer for new projects and initiatives with your current employer if you're still working. In other words, keep changing, keep learning. A lot of people are starting their own businesses. We're seeing the growth of things called, you know, scenepreneurs or so, yeah, they're senior entrepreneurs. Look at things like a portfolio career or portfolio life, more applicable if you're a knowledge worker. Yes. Uh, So, you know, you're into a consulting type life where you have a number of clients and that's effectively what I've got. Go back to study, whether it's a MOOC course or a uni course or a TAFE course or a community college course, you know, just keep the brain active. And, of course, there is the option to retire and enjoy life and everything (laughs) that it has to offer, provided you've got a plan. Yes, I guess we should add that to the mix too, eh? Yeah, and, and look, retirement is a reward. It's a great phase of life. There's many people who say, I've never been busier but they generally have some structure, they have some purpose, they have a zest for living, and if they've done it well, they will have planned for it and are proactive. They just don't wait for it to happen to them. Yeah. Let me ask you this last question. Having done all this, how are you contemplating your own retirement? Well, at this stage, uh, coming up to 60 this year, when I can access my superannuation... There you go. The answer is I'm not. I did have what I called my first gap year or retirement when I was 47, so I've got a good insight into it. Yes. I have the good fortune that I've effectively built a portfolio life or portfolio career, and I'm having too much fun and enjoying the work with the clients that I'm working with. I'm staying as healthy as I possibly can. I'm probably the healthiest and fittest I've ever been, and I have all the regular checks to make sure that I can keep going. Excellent. And the other aspect that we've really done is said what are the aspects of a retirement lifestyle that we like so it's things like holidays and flexibility and you know going out and having some sort of leisure activities sure so we're putting that into our calendar first and then making our work fit around it what i call the portfolio life so we get the best of all worlds it's not the traditional employment role with four weeks leave a year it's a little different. I, I sort of aim to take probably at least eight weeks leave a year and I work from home a fair bit, mm-hmm. but I'm still working as well. So at this stage, to answer your question, it's still some time off and uh, when it comes, I'm sure I'll uh, embrace it in a different way. I need to ask you one more question. The gap year, do you recommend that? I, I think a gap year is a tremendous thing if you can do it. I think it's a bit of a try before you buy something like retirement. 
if you could get a sabbatical or a long service leave or something like that. Sure. Because what it effectively ended up for me was a, a trial year. And I realised how quickly people stopped asking me, you know, what do you do or how are things going? I realised how quickly the diary invitations dropped off. And I had the opportunity to do a lot of volunteering. Then I found I was being used and abused. Yes. I had the opportunity to watch the share market, but I couldn't do that eight hours a day. Yes, I had some travel, but when you can do too much travel, you don't get quite the enjoyment out of it as to when it's a break. So, yes, I recommend it as a trial, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's for everyone. Yeah. Look, thanks, Peter. I've been talking to Peter Black, a business and executive coach and a retirement coach too. And thanks to you for listening to this retirenotes.com podcast. <laughs>